Hello and welcome to Say That, podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King, I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Drinking coconut water, just trying to get through this. Oh, fair enough. Also joining us, Director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Greetings! Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors crashing your church, Lee Younger. I honestly thought, Matt, at your intro, that you sounded tired, which usually you sound really stoked to do this. But that one sounded like a really kind of a, eh, I was going to say that, it's a thing. Well, yeah, I, I get my water from the tap, so it's not coconutty at all. Lee, are you so how much can I really get out of that? Lee, are you suggesting that, that there's almost like two mats? Like there's a mat <laughs> that he's willing to reveal to the world at large, but then there's a hidden mat that only really occurs behind closed doors? Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Well... I'm glad that you mentioned that because that leads to an emergency. emergency. I don't think he did mention that, but go ahead. Well, here's the thing is, so I've learned recently about something that mm. it, it makes me, you know, one of like the techni- technological elite that I know oh. these things. Like I'm, I'm wow. in the zone. I'm in the know. So we're all aware of the Instagram, right? Vaguely. Right. Yes. It, it, it's like an instant gram, so oh. much yeah. better than the delayed gram, yeah. which failed miserably. So it's like they just deliver graham crackers right to your door. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Graham crackers <laughs> at your demand. Boom. Yeah, love it. That's how it started, but then it branched off into a whole picture thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you know the, the the young people they take the photographs and they put them up on their Instagram, right? right? And they and they they share their their visual world with others. Okay. okay. It sounds it's lovely. mostly food. Mostly food. A lot of cupcakes. Now, uh, a lot of fine coffee. You know, okay, very, very fine yeah, coffee. Okay. Don't cross the streams on emergencies. <laughs> now, what I have, what I've been informed of, uh, and, and again, I, I like to keep my, you know, my ear to the ground to really yeah. know, like what's what's going down on the streets, man. Right, right. Is that for the youngsters? Mm. It is common for them to have two Instagram accounts. Whoa. That's right. What? And you might be thinking, why would anyone need two Instagram accounts? Do you have to pay extra for that? Well, presumably. I mean, Is I it illegal? Probably. That's fraud. It, it does sound fraudulent. Right. Well, to that very point. It's a real fraudstagram. <laughs> to that very point, it, it is almost born of a desire to defraud, to mislead, mm. if you to deceive. Right. Because... The point is to have one account that's like your real account. Uh-huh. And your, your friends, they go to that account and right. they know what's up. They know how it goes down in your life for real. Right. Right. But then you have another account that you might share with your parents or your auntie or your uncle. It's a very carefully controlled, only socially acceptable things occur on wow. this account. Right? right. You know what they call it? What do they call that? Your Finsta. Finsta. Yeah. Like your fake Insta. Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, if we go back to the beginning, I'm not excited for the portmanteau of the fake mat. That's, <laughs> not, that's hurtful. Is what that is. <laughs> that's really not the preferred nomenclature. <laughs> I also like the fact that we just spent three full minutes explaining something that almost all of our audience inherently knows more than us because we're old. Yeah, yeah. Well, this why, is this why, is what olds would, like us do. We essentially, be... Jed just essentially walked into a Chinese restaurant and said, it's an egg, and you roll it. <laughs> Let me break it down for you. <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't it be a fake stuff? 
Look, I don't make the rules, Glenn. Because well, these are the young people that move in Shakers. They don't have time for all those letters, Grandpa. <laughs> okay. Now. Insta. Fake. Finsta. Finsta. Now, here's what matters. T-Y. That means thank you. I was saving time. Well, that's very good. Okay. Now, we got, we got important work stuff to deal with here, people. Okay. Because... First and foremost, you may not know, but it's all the whole internet is just going, you know, crazy for it. Uh-huh. The bridge. It took you so long to come up with a non-profane term there. Yes, it did. <laughs> I'm trying to be sensitive. It's not going well, but I'm trying. Okay, so the old internet, they're going wild because the bridge has an Instagram account at the bridge right. Chicago. Yeah. At the bridge Chicago. Right. Tune in. Take you on Tuesdays for uh, Instagram stories, of sermons, worship, all these such things. Now, here's the thing to know about At The Bridge Chicago. That's the real one. Yeah. That's the real account. Because you're our friends. You're in the inner circle. You get to know what's up. You get to to know how it really goes down at the bridge. Right. Why is Jed sitting backwards in his chair? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, kids. Now, here's the thing, though. It's time for us to launch the Bridge Finsta account. This is the one we only share with the nerds. But, But again... That stands for fake Instagram. That's yes. right. But that, so, but that, we get on that one and we're totally fake. We're totally fake, yeah. yes. So we pretend to be other people. Eh, we pretend, we to, pretend be to be just, a, a curated version of ourselves. Are we dressing in costumes? Well, potentially. Glenn, that's your question to every meeting we have. <laughs> it always comes around to that. I think we it's should puppets and cosplay. I think we should start having this program come to the bridge, and maybe we should set up the tables this way. Glenn says that all sounds great. Are we wearing costumes? Right. Well, look, all I hear is we're 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 going to be fake, right? Yes. And this is gonna. This is what the kids are into. Yep. So we're gonna, but we're gonna be a version of ourselves that's fake. Yes, yes, we're gonna try to put forward a more socially acceptable version of ourselves. I thought that's exactly what social media was. Well, yes, but even more so. Uh oh. So let me see if I can break this down, as I understand from the children. Yeah. By which I mean my friends who have teenage children. (laughs) At this Uh point, Um, you might have your your actual Instagram would be you know normal teenage stuff about hating school and with the swears and whatnot. And then right. you might have a Finsta that your parents know the handle to. Oh. That's just pictures of you studying. Oh. Yeah. I get it. So I want you to think about an Instagram account that's only for, like, Sister Edith and denominational leaders. Oh, wow. This so is... The people who are inherently uh, not to like us. Right. If we wanted to get them on side with a bit of a fake curated social media well, presence. Okay. First of all, fellas, and I don't mean to take you know, the, you know the the steam out of your your sails. Are there. you about to harsh my mellow? I I well, think you're a bad boat person. Right. Don't put steam in your sails. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. Uh, if we put out a fake, extremely clean version yes. of ourselves, yep. just every picture is us in sweaters, ready to exegete. Here's what. <laughs> Here's the problem, fellas. <laughs> no one would believe any part of that. 
But isn't that the beauty of the Finsta? (laughs) No one believes it, but you're putting it out there anyway. Your parents know you don't spend that much time studying, but they feel better, you feel better, and the cosmic ballet goes on. All right. So let's think it through. What's on our Finsta? And I think, because you're excited about it, we should start with the costumes that we wear. Okay. How are we dressed on the bridge Finsta, Glenn? Well, uh, I get it now. So it's like cosplay. Yeah. But it's straight people cosplay. Yes, you've got it exactly. <laughs> we're, we're normaling is yes, what we're doing. Yes, dadcore. <laughs> dadcore. <laughs> right, so we, we get some, uh, so like some dad jeans. Yeah, that's right. Uh, some sweaters. Yep. Some dad jeans. Khakis, please. Yes. Slacks. We're, yes. Okay. We're talking about a trip to Land's End here. You know we are. Yeah, we are. Whoa, that's the belly of the beast right there. Eddie. Bauer. Well, we're talking about normaling hardcore. Yeah. We're talking about like, you know, a crisp pair of slacks. Yeah. And pleated slacks. Yeah. We're talking about loafers. Yep. Hold on, hold on. Don't 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 just uh fly past the braided leather belt, Glenn. Hello. Oh, that's whoa. Love the braided leather belt. I, I'm not sure I can handle this level of normaling. Yeah. This is hardcore. This is you know, I'm learning this about myself that I am a, a normaling noob. Oh. That's what that's what it is. There's okay. a lot of different kind of jargons in this. I'm afraid we're going to say something we don't mean. Yeah, and it's, end up on some kind of subreddit. You, you have to <laughs> you have to get good. That's what it is. Ah. you spell it with a U. Oh, that's that's impressive. That's what you have to do. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, so we're wearing normal clothing, right? And we're, obviously, we're going to document our quiet times. Absolutely. You know, oh, we, we got that Jur- journaling. Pictures of journaling. Got to have pictures. We've we've already gotten ahead of ourselves, though, guys. You've forgotten one of the most critical pieces of the Finsta, which is the bio line. Oh, oh, yeah. Break it down for us, dude. Underneath your profile picture, you get to, uh, you know, have a little space where you say what this account is about. So the Bridge Chicago Finsta, you know, it's going to have some kind of, some kind of Bible verse, some kind of. So, you know, something that really shows the wholesomeness of the Bridge right. Chicago Finsta account. Well, let me ask you, as is, is you're setting the stage, let's think about, you know, kind of a, a theoretical teenager, Timmy the teenager. All right. What <laughs> would, and, and Timmy, he likes to party. So what would his like real account bio line say about him? Uh... Uh, something about turning up, I would assume. Yeah, it'd be okay. horrifying hip-hop lyrics that he doesn't entirely understand. Okay, yeah. and then what would what would Timmy's Finsta bio line say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> yeah, ah. there it is. I promise you that's it. The uh. official Bible verse of athletes everywhere. Can we Can we use the word just way too many times? Oh, yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Just, just really? Uh, just doing life... In doing life together, doing life just, together, just doing life together in community, so loving sharing, well. Yeah, just just loving well and living life, and just keeping on doing it. Yeah, man. yeah. We're just a community of imperfect people trying to do our best. Yeah, we're just. It's okay uh, to not be okay, Matt. That's right. It's about progress, not perfection. Well, so this make this him is, famous. This is melting my brain because. <laughs> We're trying to do what the hip 
cool kids do by acting even older and uncooler than we are. That's right. That's know. pretty wild, right? This there. is hip collapsing onto <laughs> itself. <laughs> and when you're a hammer, everything's a nail and unhip unhip old is kind of all we have. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 falling into a black hole, <laughs> fellas. Yeah. Yeah, neutron star of hip. Okay, so we've got our bio line yeah. that's a lot of just and varies and yeah. making him famous and, sure. and living an intentional community life together. Right. Yep. We've got pictures of ourselves, you know, in, in norm core and, and documenting our um our quiet times. Is there anything else that would be an essential ingredient for the bridge finsta? Uh there's a there you know, there's the, the, the aspect of Instagram now, which is the story. Yes. You can keep the little twenty four hour capable videos. Or pictures or whatever. I'm saying uh, each of the each of the Mission USA staff people uh, showing off their scripture memory. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very now good. the I think the best way to do that would be to to you know recite our memory verses, right? And then at some point not quite remember them. Sure, sure. But just keep going. <laughs> Very good. Uh, the, I, I, Do you it, have an example for us? Well, uh, the thing that immediately springs to mind is um, I my uh, cousin got married a few years mm. ago, and she asked me to do the scripture reading mm. for the thing. Uh, it was a Catholic uh, wedding, so they did a priest did the service, sure. which I was, by all means, you guys party on. But they wanted me to do a scripture reading. I mm. said, okay, I'll do the scripture reading. And they had a wedding rehearsal, and they had to rehearse me reading it, ah. because what if I just read it? Sure, you could get it wrong. Uh, so they, they, um, they, they're they setting the levels, you what? understand. It was this, big, this is a big to-do. Sure, absolutely. So I said, well, you know, I'm reading the, the, your standard, love is patient, love is kind, uh, love lift us up uh, to where we belong, <laughs> to a mountain high where the eagles fly. And just, just, just... In the same cadence to see sure. how long before people picked up on sure. it. And so I think you could do a similar thing on your scripture memorization. Yes, you know? yes. Well, I, I think we've nailed it, fellas. Yeah. yeah. We're going to move on uh, to the Bridgebox plug. Uh, that's also real. We, we're happy to create a uh, much more honest Bridgebox that would involve Glenn and I doing our sermons with a fair amount more cursing. And maybe uh, the musical offerings having more Norwegian death metal influence than sure. the average bear is comfortable with if we really let Jed let his creative legs stretch on that. But for now, you get sermons from Glenn and myself. You get songs from Jed, Lee, a number of other very, very talented friends. Uh, Bible studies, all sorts of good stuff based around this topic. Every month, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Jump to our first question here. Anything else all the way to the end. I'll give some ways to get up to this or you can scroll down into your episode description. First question comes in anonymously and says, I just finished reading 1 John 5, 16 to 17 in the message and was wondering what the fatal sins are. That's what the message version says. Also called sins leading to death. I thought that all sin was equal and now I'm a bit more confused. Your take on this through the Bible nerditorium would be appreciated. So Glenn, as the uh, innovator and uh, perfecter of the Bible nerditorium, we uh, ask you to kick us off. Well, and uh, Matt will pull this verse up on his phone, and we'll we'll read through it for those who aren't familiar. But uh, uh, bless his heart, this here verse is a bit of a word salad, and we we're going to labor to to make sense of it. Uh, it's a simple point 
uh, and it's made in sort of a prosaic, uh, flowery sort of way, and it's created some confusion. But we can uh, we can sort that out. Yes, I I only pulled up the uh, the NIV version because I'm not smart, and now I go to the message version. For instance, if we see a Christian believer sinning, parenthesis, clearly I'm not talking about those who make a practice of sin in a way that is fatal, leading to eternal death, close parenthesis, we ask for God's help and he gladly gives it, gives life to the sinner whose sin is not fatal. There is such a thing as a fatal sin. I'm not urging you to pray about that. Everything we do wrong is sin, but not all sin is fatal. Okay. So, bit of a mess here, right? So, let's explain this. Uh, again, it's a simple I, simple thing that he's saying. Uh, it, it, we're going to break this down. I'm going to break this down. I'm going to hand it off to these other fellows to talk about how do we apply what's in this verse, because there's some really good stuff in here. Uh, the, 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 the part that we're hung up on here is the sin that leads to death, as it says in the NIV, uh, the sin that is unto death, I think, is how the King James puts it. Um, so let's look at that phrase in Greek, amartia pros thanaton. Amartia is the sin. Uh, the thanaton is death. Uh, it was named after a Marvel character. Oh. And the in-between is pros. That's a, a preposition, uh, a to, as in towards. Uh, so you go to the store. Uh, you go from here to there. That's what that means, pros. Like, th- uh, it, it, think of the English word proceed. That's probably a, mm-hmm. a, the best way of, of kind of getting that picture in your mind. So if I am at point A uh, today, and then there's the day of my death, that's point B, I am proceeding from A to B. If I sin and I don't confess it, I carry that sin with me all the way through my life to my death. If I die physically without having confessed that sin, then I go to judgment where I could not have eternal life, and therefore that sin I will carry through my life to my death, but that sin could also cause an eternal death. That's what he's saying. That's that's what that phrase is trying to convey. Uh, so he's sort of saying two things at the same time, and then then you know not uh, making that clear. But he's saying there's other sins that don't proceed to death, lead to death, uh, so on and so forth. What he means by that is if I sin. In the past, then I confess it today. I am; it is forgiven. That sin is off of me now. The penalty is not on my life. Then I don't carry that sin to my death. I don't pay for that sin after my death, but I still have that sin in my life. And what what this verse is talking about is that sin is causing, it's not causing my eternal death, but it is causing problems and struggles in my life. Uh, if you if you talk to somebody and they say, I'm dealing with a struggle, man, and it's killing me. They don't mean it's literally killing them, but it's like it's 
it's killing me. It's driving me nuts. It's really messing with me and dealing with me. I feel dead inside because of this, this thing that's just, just tearing me up. So he's saying some people feel that, carry that sense of this is killing me, uh, that are saved, and they're, they've been set free from the penalty of the eternal penalty of that sin. They're still dealing with the earthly consequences of that sin. That's all this verse is trying to say. So if I were to give you the, the Fitzgerald Standard Version of this uh, you know, paraphrased translation of this verse, it would be something like this. You should pray, and this is what we want these other fellows to unpack. You should pray for your Christian brothers and sisters who struggle with the sin that makes them feel dead inside, even though this sin won't take away their salvation. Pray that they find life, but like a life and life more abundant, if you want to think of it that way. But you should do more than pray for those who aren't your brothers and sisters in Christ, who mm-hmm. haven't found salvation, who are living in unconfessed imperfection. And, and, and amartia means imperfection. It means miss the mark. You, you are... Um, you have a bow and arrow, there's an antelope, you're trying to feed your family, you miss by an inch, you miss by a mile, you've missed, doesn't matter. So when we say there's no degree of sin, that's what we mean. A miss is a miss. Imperfection's imperfection. We are all imperfect. This is our, this is our state. Uh, so he's saying, if you have Christian brothers and sisters that are dealing with something that's, that's tearing them up inside, we need to pray for those pers- people and, you know, uh, um, you know, hold them up before God. Uh, but if there are people who have an unconfessed sin in their life, uh, we need to do more than that uh, and and obviously give them the message of salvation. So it's not different kinds of sin, it's different people in a different state, either saved or unsaved, they're committing that sin. Long way to go to get to a simple point. Uh, very, very, very good stuff there. An excellent deep dive in making that a lot more palatable. And Jed, love to get you to pick us up there on, as Glenn was alluding to, the the kind of there's a, a so what aspect of yeah. when we look at a lot of this stuff. Because um, you can chase your tail on the academia for quite a while, but obviously um, Paul is writing these letters to to people so that they do things, yes. so that they understand things. And I think yes. that's a very important uh, point to look at the, the epistles through, is these are not meant to be... Uh, philosophical meditations. These are meant to you know, be applicable. So yeah. if we move into application, what do we find? Yeah, that's a great question. The first thing that we, I think, want to do is there's the person in the question that they asked, they referenced, let's see, they said specifically, um, I thought that all sin was equal. That is true. Let's look at what the Bible says about that for a second, because it's, it's going to play into the... Um, the direct application. So the probably the most classic verse people go to to talk about the idea that all sin is equal comes from the book of James. It's going to be chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. I'm going to be reading the NIV. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. All right, so as a reminder, in God's eyes, not only are we all sinners, we are all equally sinners. Um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, all we have down here as sinners, as, as the Bible says elsewhere, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No exceptions. There is no one righteous, not even one. The only way that any of us get into a right standing with God, have a righteousness with God, is as a gift. As in, God gives us the gift of salvation and the gift of right standing with himself. That's, that's it for any of us. There, there are no exceptions to that. So, And I know Lee's going to dig in this in a second, but anytime we start feeling like we've got, the Bible seems to be suggesting you've got to get everything right or you know, you're on the naughty list, that's not it. The Bible's crystal clear. We're all sinners. We all need a Savior. No one can... You know, be good enough to get their way into God's good favor. It's only as a free gift of salvation. That's what we're dealing with. Now, with that said, it's very easy, and a lot of Christians fall into this trap, is to say that because from a spiritual standpoint, all sin is the same, which the book of James is saying it definitely is. Um, from a life on planet Earth standpoint, all sin is definitely not the same. Right. Not within a million miles. And I think there's a lot of ways that that plays out, but one of them is just basic consequences, uh, which is something that I think a lot of Christians are pretty uncomfortable thinking about. When you do something inadvisable and then there are consequences on the other side of it, there are people who want to get into big questions of like, is that God punishing me or is that God disciplining me? No, there's just consequences for your actions, dude. Right. Um, if you show up late for work like five days in a row, they will fire you. Guaranteed, they will fire you. That There's not like a deep spiritual reality to it. That's just how the world works. If you do that, that's just what happens. If you look at a glowing red hot burner on your stove and you touch it, it will burn you. This this is not a question of if you just had enough faith that wouldn't. No, it's red hot and you touched it. You got you got burned. Um, one of the weird realities of life on planet Earth, you know, is uh, I and, and some other folks from from our team were at Cook County Jail earlier today. And here's the thing: spiritually, there's no difference in level of sin between me and the folks that attend that chapel service. But in terms of earthly consequences, there's a huge difference. You can see it because I get to walk back out of that building and they don't, thus making it jail. That is the key identifying thing about jail. But we have a way of not looking in our lives of what's the stuff that's really dealing harsh consequences into my life? What's the stuff that's really making my life worse? And am I being clear about that? You know, we have a way of, it's funny, in, in church, we have a way of demonizing the sins that make us feel icky, but not the sins that are giving us huge, huge, huge consequences in our lives. We will talk till we're blue in the face about not looking at naughty stuff online. And I'm not saying you should look at naughty stuff online. Don't, don't you, I'm not saying that. But we'll talk about that till we're blue in the face. We won't talk at all about having confrontations with people when it's necessary about setting boundaries in relationships, about exercising courage in order to do the things God's asking you to do, about confronting your insecurities. These things will wreck your life. If you can't set boundaries with another human being, there is no possible chance of you having a healthy life. There, it will not occur. This is not a possibility. But that's not the sin that we talk about. 
we talk about the thing that makes us feel icky. One of these, it, it, it's not great. It's definitely not, and it is a sin, and it's not good, and we don't want it there. The other one is actively ruining your life right now. Right. The consequences are ter- Every bad thing in your life leaks back to this thing, but we don't want to talk about it. And I think that we have a way of covering that and say, hey, sin is sin. So we, we just got to get to a place of more righteousness, y'all, which in a sense is true, but it misses the idea that there are consequences in an earthly realm that we want to be looking at so that we can have less pain and suffering in our lives, which is the thing that God wants for us. Absolutely right. And Lee, where would you, where would you close us out with this? I love everything that these guys have lined out on this. I, I just want to throw in one last little piece. Just in, in having lots of conversations with people about different verses in the Bible, it's a it's a very common thing, and, and these guys will have run into it as well, where when people kind of read through the scriptures for the first time, they'll run into verses like these, and they'll feel like they're on that that ride at a county fair where they've got where like the the floor collapses underneath you, the thing's spinning really fast, and it's like, oh gosh, the floor just collapsed. I don't know where I am anymore. It feels like what the Bible is saying is. There's this one specific sin that you could do, and then you would be lost. Um, and then th- this one is special. It leads to death. It's a totally different thing. I think that Glenn already did a great job of breaking this whole thing down. The only button that I want to put on the end of this is just a reminder for everybody out there that there is um, that the Bible is consistent in itself in the sense that you're not going to find a scripture wherein the true interpretation of it will undo the message of the gospel, the message of the good news, or the whole testimony of scripture, or another scripture. So when we're trying to interpret what does this Bible verse mean that I I don't really understand what this is saying, but it feels like it's saying something that undoes the whole message of the good news. Well, it won't do that. So if we if we feel like that's what's happening, that's not going to be the right interpretation. Sometimes when you're reading through Bible verses, you can feel like, oh gosh, I f- that's it. I knew it was coming. I found the fine print where all of a sudden I realize I'm not accepted or I'm not forgiven or I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not uh, good in the eyes of God. And what we're finding in in a in a situation like this is, we need to remember that the gospel is intact. The whole testimony of scripture is intact. And I need to interpret this scripture. All right. I think the important thing to remember whenever we're looking at any of these verses that feel confusing is that the gospel is intact. There's no, there's no uh, thing that can happen in any of these verses that feel, uh, you know, discomforting or whatever that that's going to undo the fact that Jesus says, I take your place. I pay for everything and you are completely forgiven for all of your past and for all of your future forever. That is sealed. And in fact, what John says is if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what that means is the helpful piece of that is for anybody that feels like I read a verse, I'm confused, and now I feel like the whole thing is undone. You haven't hit a loophole. You haven't hit some kind of fine print where you've you've uh, stepped into a tiger trap. You are completely forgiven. There is no uh there's there's no sin that's 
the one that's going to get you disqualified. Jesus has paid for everything. That includes your entire past, your entire future. And I think it's good just to remind ourselves of that as we look at some things that can be confusing until they're broken down in the clear way that Glenn did. Um, We can look at this and feel like, now I feel like I don't know anything. No, everything in Scripture is going to have one testimony. The testimony is Jesus has paid for everything. If I believed in him, I am completely forgiven now and forevermore. He has cleansed me. We are good. Um, I'm in his good books. I am not in trouble. And then we can continue on with a, a sense of stability based on the truth of what the gospel is. That's all fantastic stuff from these guys on a very tough topic, but I think they gave you a lot of really good stuff to get a foothold on. Not only this particular verse, but the, when you encounter these kind of things in your own reading of the Bible, which is very, very important. We're going to move on to our next question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, I'm a little perplexed. My pastors drive luxury vehicles that I won't ever be able to afford in my wildest dreams, yet I'm a broke student. I know that the student season will pass, but currently I find it hard to grapple with making tithes and offerings to my church while having no money, i.e. thousands of dollars in debt, broke, while my pastors seem to be wealthy. Any advice on this one? And Jed, where did we start off? Well, first of all, I'm sorry you're broke. I have been extremely broke, and that's a crappy place to be, yep. and I'm sorry for it. I, I am sure that you're right that that won't always be the case, but it is the case today, and that is no fun at all, and I'm sorry for it. Full stop. Second, um, I'm sorry that people are putting religious pressures on top of that, because that's really yeah, that's uncool right. and, and really no fun at all. One of the things that I want to encourage you to do that I think will hold you in good stead, actually, in all kinds of stuff to do with your spiritual life, but definitely with your giving, is I want to encourage you to work on developing a conversational relationship between you and God, where you, in your prayer life, you're honest and, and you're vulnerable and you're real with the Lord, but where you also listen for the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in prayer. And the reason that's important is that there's far more stuff that you could give to than there are resources to give. So we really want a system where the Lord is directing you on when to give and what to give and how much to give and and who to give to. And I think learning to listen to the Lord's leading in prayer is going to be a really, really key part of that. And that, as you do that, that's probably going to include seasons where the Lord's leading to you is, don't worry about giving money right now. Uh, You you don't have any of it. Um, and I would much rather that you give of your time and of your talents. Um, and I don't want you to worry about money right now. I've certainly had seasons like that. And I, uh, think God is fully within his rights for you to have seasons like that. But we may find that at some point we get into a season where the Lord's leading to you is, why don't you give that thing five bucks? Why don't you give that thing 10 bucks? And now this presents something really interesting. And I've certainly had moments where the Lord said, why don't you give them a five spot and we'll call it good, where I kind of know my $5 can't really make much of a difference because it's it's five bucks. I mean, to be clear, anytime you give to anything, it helps. It makes a difference. But I mean, there's also an element which, I mean, these guys are trying to do a multi-million dollar fundraising campaign and I'm chipping in five bucks. So what's what, what are we talking about here? And from my own experience, here's the thing that I have found is I think giving, I think part of the reason why the Lord wants us to to be giving generally is I think that has a lot to do with the state of your heart, not so much with whether or not the building fund gets another $5. Because here's the thing about God is he actually owns all the money already. Um, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 
Um, he uh, scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He he owns all the money. Um, if he wants this church to have the money for their building campaign, he will find a way for them to have it. That's not really the point here. I think the point is much more. And again, this is in in my personal life. This has been true, and I suspect it'd be true in yours as well. I think the point is much more that there are tendencies that grow in the human heart that are very dangerous to a healthy spiritual life that giving pushes back on. There's a few of them. The first is, it's easy to believe that your life is yours. I mean, really, really easy. Scripture testifies very clearly, you are not your own. You're bought at a price. Um, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What this means is, your life is not your own. Um, it's, it's actually right. not up to you to just do whatever seems best to you. Not as a Christian. That's you, you give up that right when you, when you become a Christian. And I think when we give, it reminds us of that. It reminds us of the fact that my life is not my own. The next thing that it reminds us of, which is really critical is my resources are not my own. They don't actually belong to me. I've, they've been entrusted to me and that's cool. And I'm meant to be a good steward with them, but I am not the final arbiter of what happens with these resources. God is the final arbiter. And to be crystal clear, pastor is definitely not the final arbiter of what happens with these, but the Lord is. And I need to be regularly reminded that as a steward, my job is to implement what God has asked to be implemented, not to inform the Lord of what is or is not a good idea. Um, he sets the agenda. My, my job is, is to follow him in that. But the next one, I think it may be the most important of all, which is, I think when we give, it ushers us into a place in our heads and our hearts of embracing uncertainty. Living in a messed up world, which you certainly do, the safest, most certain choice would be to give no money to anything. Keep it, you know, keep it in a, in a bank account. I mean, bad things happen. People get sick, people lose jobs, cars break down, uh, you know, uh, marriages don't work out. You'll definitely need money at some point. So the safe thing, if you're going to take care of yourself is to store up treasure so that you have a storehouse for when you need it. That is the safe, logical thing to do is to build wealth. That is the safe, logical thing in a messed up world. And the thing about the Christian life is God is not calling you to live in a safe way. And this is a Amen. really, really hard thing for human beings to wrap their brains around. That's not co-equal with God calling you to live in an irresponsible way. Exactly, exactly. But he's not calling you to live in a safe way. He's calling you to live in a way where he is your security. He's calling you to live in a way where he is the one that makes you okay. He is the one that looks out for you. and. When we give, it's a reminder of that. It's a reminder of the fact that I, my life is not my own. My resources are not my own and that I'm not called to a life where I make myself safe. I'm called to a life where I remember that my very being and spirit and soul, all that I am and ever shall be, all that I possess and ever shall, all that belongs to God and that God wants to do amazing, wild, crazy things with it. He wants to impact this world in ways I couldn't believe possible through my life, through the vehicle of my life. But that can only happen if I'm willing to trust him. That can only happen if I'm willing to step out in faith. That can only happen if I'm willing to relinquish a sense of security and control and let him be in charge, let him be the one that guides me and let him be the one that keeps me safe and secure from all alarms. I think giving keeps our hearts in Mm. that place. And I think that's why it's important for Christians to be engaged in it. 
absolutely right. That is all uh, amazing stuff. And Lee, um, not only does giving give us all these good things, it also inoculates in the way Jed's saying it's when it's done right. And it doesn't sound like it's being done in this situation, which I think gets the, the core of what's wrong with this. We'll pick up later. It should also have some fun to it, right? Absolutely. I, I want to say, incidentally, if you do have a situation where the, the, the pastors of the church are driving luxury cars, I mean, I don't want to say this unequivocally, but I want to shoot it out there as a possibility. It may be time to go to a different church, maybe a smaller one, whatever. I'm just going to throw that out. But exactly as you're throwing out there, Matt, there is an element to the idea of giving that has... I just never heard when I was growing up in church, and that's the idea of fun and adventure. Um, one thing that's so cool about what Jeb was just laying out there is that this begins, sustains, and ends as a private conversation between yes. you and Jesus. So what's so cool about that is, as exactly as Jed's saying, the pastor of whatever church you're going to is not invited into that conversation. The deacons are not invited. Nobody else is invited. If you are married, your spouse is most certainly invited. If you have children, your children should be included in it so that they can learn from that situation. But besides your spouse, this is a private conversation between you and Jesus. Now, this is where this gets cool. I loved everything that Jed said about the, the uh, you know, when you're in a situation of being broke, the $5 gift, the $10 gift, you're not really changing the situation of those missions, but you're learning something about yourself and you're teaching, teaching something to your heart and you're having a relational moment between you and Jesus. All that stuff, exactly, just rewind it and listen to it again. Holy crap, that was good stuff. But uh, I, I want to just illustrate this point about the adventure and the fun of this. And the relationship aspect of giving to missions as Jesus leads you with a little personal story. When Christy and I uh, first got married, we were uh, leading worship at the church where I'm now one of the pastors. We were going to college in a different town, an hour and a half away from uh, this the church where we were leading worship. And we were coming in every Saturday. We were staying at the pastor's house. And then the next morning, leading worship in the church, and then driving back on Sunday afternoon after leading a high school Bible study, and then and then you know going back and doing our work week and our and Christy was still in college, et cetera, et cetera. And when we were in that process, there was a missionary who came to speak at the church. The church had just picked them up as one of their one of the missionaries they monthly supported, and it was it was Glenn and Jane Fitzgerald. And we knew them because Jane Fitzgerald ran cross country with a guy that had the idea of starting our church in Oak Ridge. Who knew? But here's Glenn telling the story of their mission. And Christy and I both walked out after his message and said, I think the Lord wants us to give to this dude's mission. You know, and the first thing that happened was, well, it looks like the church is going to pick him up. So if we're giving to Christ Community Church, then, then we're giving to Glenn and Jane. Yeah, but we both felt strongly, and yet I think the Lord is also asking us to give to this dude too. So uh, so we became monthly supporters. Here's the cool thing about that. I have had, and I just want to stress this as much as I can, I have had more fun becoming friends with this brother than I can possibly describe to you. That moment where the Lord said, I think I... I want you guys to become monthly supporters of this mission. 
Yeah, we've given some money to these guys. Guys, let me let me be clear. We do not have the kind of money where we're bankrolling anything that's actually happening with Mission USA. The only thing that we've gotten is we have gained a friendship for a lifetime that's going to go on into eternal life. We have had more fun. We have laughed more. We have experienced more things. Our The lens of our experience and world has been widened so much. Jesus has given us so much more than we have ever given the Fitzgeralds (laughs) or Mission USA. I can't tell you how much fun we've had. We don't have a lot of money. And, And at that time, when we first heard this brother speak in the Pollard Auditorium in Oak Ridge, we didn't have any money. When I'm telling you, we were just college kids with no money and a lot of debt and all that kind of stuff. And he has given us so much fun and so much adventure. I want to encourage you to go back and listen to Jed's uh, answer on this again. And then as you start to have the conversation with Jesus, ask him, ask him about it this way. What adventure and fun do you want to give me? What are what what is it that you can't wait to open my world up to? What is it you want to teach me? What laughs and relationships do you have in store to me it, with you know for me as I open my heart up to giving to where you want to give. I promise you, it is unlike anything else. Amen. All really fantastic stuff. And if you want the joy that can only come from giving to Mission USA, ah. missionusa.com slash bridgebox, only $8 a month. Lush or plug for the people there. It's apparently very rewarding. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Glenn, where would you close us out with this? Well, I, I love everything these guys are saying. They've really nailed it. And I, I couldn't agree more with Lee, and I think Scripture agrees, that joy is a great measure for what we should be doing with our spiritual life. Like, if you were a cheerful hmm. giver... Would God like that? God would really be in favor of that. Oh, that's good insight. So I just made that up. Wow! Uh, here's the thing. Uh, the Bible <laughs> says give to the poor. Uh, this guy ain't poor. Ah. So don't give it to him. That's pretty much as simple <laughs> as that gets. Um, it, it, you know, uh, so let's you know be clear that you're, you're feeling sort of... Uh, 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 you have this thought, this seems crooked. This looks crooked. But then maybe I'm terrible for thinking it's crooked. Mm. And so I'm a bad person. Okay, so let's break that down. Tell you a quick story to illustrate this similar kind of situation. I'm in a church in Malibu, California. Uh If you don't know much about Malibu, it's just sort of north of the whole Hollywood thing. Is it a quiet little beach community? (laughs) It certainly is. And that's where uh, that's where a lot of the big celebrities actually live is in Malibu. And, you know, the people are heads of studios and all that kind of stuff. I'm in a church there. Um, I'm up front, and I'm looking out, and I'm seeing. This is a very weird experience that you don't expect to have in church, but I'm I'm seeing actual celebrities that I recognize and that I've seen and so on and so forth. It wasn't a super big church and it wasn't a crazy fancy thing. There's a weird thing in Malibu that they won't let new buildings go up. So they, we're, this is actually in the gym of a of a school. So it's a very wild experience. So I'm going to meet with the pastor afterwards and his off, he has like a private offices because there's no building. So I go to meet him and we're going to go to lunch, and he has an extremely expensive car that we're going to go to lunch in. And he says, we're standing out in front of the car, and he's holding both hands up in the air, and he says, stop. 
I need you to need to tell you I did not buy this car. Yeah. This car was given to me. And it is extremely nice. I could not afford it. I would not normally buy it, but someone gave it to me and I prayed about it. And this is what I came up with. This car is like my coat of many colors. That was not a crazy thing until the end there. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is you can so, so I'm telling this story so that you can tell this all makes sense. In other words, I believed him that someone gave him this car. So I, I don't think he's lying about that part. Sure. Uh, this may be your coat of many colors. I don't know if you know how that story ends. Nope. I kind of get bored and trail <laughs> off. There's that's goat blood. not a way to go. Like that's not like. <laughs> oh good... no! These two pages of my Bible were stuck together. Darn yeah. it! So uh, that's a, that's one thing. But here's the Bible verse he needed to go by that he wasn't, and that your pastor needs to go by that he isn't. That also shows there's nothing wrong with you. Here's the verse: We're supposed to put off even the appearance of sin. Yeah. It means if it looks bad in a way that tempts other people to think it's bad, it's it bad. is bad, and you need to deal with that. All of us who are in full-time ministry, we all struggle with that, is making sure that not only are we not uh, doing something wrong, but even that it would look that way. We don't want to tempt people into being confused. He was trying to work that out with me. He's trying to say, it's not, I didn't pay for it, it's not... And you can tell he's convicted about it. Sure. So just, you know, bless your heart, sell it, and, and you know, get a Toyota or something. Uh, final point on this, uh, you know, remember the three T's. We talk about this quite a little bit. Time, talent, and treasure. These are the th three things that we're meant to be giving. It, uh, you know, money, your, your skills and abilities, uh, you know, and uh, your time of just serving people, whatever. You're... If you are low on treasure, the other two are still desperately needed. Yep. Later, you'll have the treasure mm. and you won't have the time because you're busy working with your amazing job. That's fine. We'll just do, you know, we can balance those things out. Uh, the, the church needs people who solve problems. Our ministry, uh, it, it, the, if we had people who would simply drive a van load of people from A to B, That'd be worth more to you than I could tell you in yep. dollars. I can't. I can't pay for somebody who has a commitment and a drive and a love and a warm, welcoming, whatever. You could do that for your church. You could set up chairs. You can. You can give your time. You can give your talents. Amen. You have a lot to contribute, and money is not the most important part of that equation. So let's make sure that's clear. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And what these guys are giving you is all fantastic. I will I will uh say the bit for devil's advocate here at the bottom, and I'm gonna come back to bagging on the pastor. So don't worry, we'll land okay. where it lands. Um there's something to be said for transparency, as, yeah. as Glenn's pointing out there. Uh there's you know, if you don't know a lot about cars, then you may not know the difference between a forty thousand dollar car and a ninety thousand dollar car. So it's perfectly possible that this is transparent from end to end. That's it was a one percent chance, but that here's the church budget. Here's what we pay the pastor. The pastor says, I raised my kids. I bought my house. I love cars. I bought this because it's awesome. That would, have, that would be no problem. Right. There was, even if that was the case, which is almost certainly not, uh, there's nothing tricky going on. And uh, other than the very real problem, as Glenn's pointing out, that we're apparently not being upfront about that because mm -hmm. there's that, you know, the appearance of impropriety. 
The problem would still be, it sounds like they talk about giving a lot. Right. In a way that's trying to like put it on you that you need to give more and give till it hurts and commit and, you know, be a sacrificial giver and all that. And here's the thing. It wouldn't matter if that dude was driving a Yugo. Yeah. If he's given that message, that's what's wrong about yeah. this. Yeah. From the relationship to you. If he's crooked, he's doing stuff with God's money, as Jed pointed out. That's going to be a whole different conversation. As it points to you, someone who's, as we say on the show very often about giving, if someone's behaving in a way that is removing the opportunity for you to be a joyful giver, then yeah. that's that's it on the knees of yeah. it. That's yeah, the problem. Right. And these dudes, yeah. the, they could repent and sell the cars, and that's not going to fix that that's right the, the the core problem of this is not necessarily that your pastor drives a nice car you know if someone is a if the the church board decides here's how much money we pay him he decides how he wants to spend his money that could be above right. board again right if we're talking about a certain level of car it's probably not but the problem is it sounds like he he's they're really leaning on you to keep giving when a it seems like things are going fine and B, even if when we all cried no moss, and that's making me feel bad about my walk, that's the actual core problem at the bottom of this. There are other problems about the church and all that, but if you never saw the dude's car and just went to church three weeks in a row and every sermon was about how all you people really need to give more because we've got amazing stuff we need to do, that would be enough problem in and of itself to walk away from the whole situation. All right, jump to our final question here. This person writes in and says, I feel like I'm too tainted for God. I know logically that I'm not and that God accepts me, but this feeling of being tainted is very strong and I don't know what to do about it. I keep punishing myself for my past. I want to be at peace with it, but I don't know what to do with that. And Lee, where do we start off with this? This is such an interesting question. I'm super thankful that you wrote it in. I think I think that if if everybody was honest, they probably have a little piece of this question. Mm. So I, I want to say thank you for writing it in. Um, this is so interesting because you have two things going, two parallel roads happening at the same time. You have the mental, uh, orthodox theology where you know that your sin has been paid for, so you know that you shouldn't feel bad, but at the exact same time, you feel bad. You feel bad about your past. I I just want you to know, um, because I, I meet with a lot of people as a pastor, one-on-one, you are not alone, like, at all. There's a lot of people who feel this way, that they know mentally, they know from the songs, they know from the verses, that they should feel like they're not tainted, but they feel tainted. This is a really, really interesting uh, issue and problem. I think the thing that's so interesting to me about it is that from a religious perspective, when you think about the way religion is, um, from a religious perspective, what your like what your experience is, your sense experience makes perfect sense. From a religion exp- perspective, religion says there's something I need to do to better myself. Uh, I need to get myself where I need to be. If I haven't done that, if I have a bad past or I'm not cleaning it up fast enough, then I have a reason to feel bad about myself or ashamed of myself. Um, That mindset makes perfect sense. 
And so what I want you to do is uh, I want to suggest a thought experiment. I'm not telling you to flip the switch on the way that you think and feel today, right now, 100%. Here's what I want to ask you to do. This is going to be a bit of a mindfulness exercise. And so I want you to just kind of go with me for a second and and try this out and see what what you think. I want you to to set aside 10 minutes tomorrow um, where you don't have anything going on. And instead of having a quiet time where you try to, you know, whatever, whatever, I want you to take those 10 minutes and I want you to pretend for those 10 minutes, because the truth is that you don't actually believe that you and Jesus are square. You, you, you have a, a mental knowledge of the fact that you've been paid for, but you don't feel it. And, and that makes perfect sense. But for these 10 minutes that you're setting aside tomorrow for this thought experiment, I want you to pretend that sin is gone. That's over. And you and Jesus are completely and totally square. I want you to just intentionally and completely on purpose decide for these 10 minutes, I'm going to pretend that we're square and we're good. And then I want you to ask some questions. The questions I want you to ask are, what now? What, what is our relationship now? Jesus, you and I are completely square. Um, what's next? What is the basis of this relationship? What, what, what do you want from me? What do I want from you? What do we talk about? <laughs> what do we do next? And I want you to just give some space to that. Just, uh, just relax. And try not to think too hard and ask Jesus those questions. Jesus, you and I are completely square. During this thought experiment, that's the basis I'm starting from. We are completely good. Everything has been squashed. We're good. What next? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to do? What are you and I? What, what is this relationship? Um, and then maybe the next day, try 15 minutes. And maybe the next day, tack on a couple more minutes. The fact is that you know intellectually that you've been paid for and that you and Jesus are square, but you don't actually know what comes next. If, sin, if your personal sin wasn't a factor in your relationship with Jesus at all, what would your relationship be? I think that's worth exploring. I think that's worth thinking about. I think that's worth devoting some time to intentionally and finding out, Jesus, what do you what do you want with me? Why do you like me? If we were hanging out, if we went on a date, if we went on a if we were just hanging out, what would we talk about? What would we dream up? What kinds of adventures would we get into? These are the kinds of things that I want you to explore. This is what your relationship is now. If you are forgiven, then what is the next adventure? That's what we want to explore. That's what we want to get into. The shame and the idea of you being tainted. We know intellectually that's not a thing, but we can't get out of it emotionally. We need something that's more attractive. We need something that's more true, more real, and more, um, more enticing 
than just dwelling on this shame. Let's find out what's next. Let's talk to the Lord about what this relationship looks like and then delve into what he has in store for you. That's a really, really wonderful place to start that off. And Jed, I, I think we we often talk on the, the show about kind of going too far in one direction or the other. Yeah. And there's certainly uh, this, you know, our friend says, you know, I keep punishing myself for my past. It's certainly not given results they want. Sure. But I wonder if the, the going too far in the other direction might be that idea of, uh, well, your past doesn't matter. It's sure. all back there. We don't sure. really need to deal with that. It's all about what's going on in the future and forward. And we do need to reckon with our past as part sure. of moving forward, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's one of the more... This is going to sound kind of stark when I say it, but it's true. One of the more interesting things about the kind of work that we do is a big part of this job is listening to people tell you about the worst things they've ever done. Um, and and we do a lot of that. I mean, Often very early in the relationship. Yeah. Like as their opening gambit. Yeah. That's true. That's 100% true. And, you know, we work with a range of people, but but in general, the worst stuff they've ever done is the worst stuff human beings do. Um, so it's, it's, it's the nuclear blast level of bad I've learned. Cause I've been doing this a long time now. Um, I've learned a few things that, that will relate to you and they're, they're super, super important. The first is if you don't understand your past, there is no way for you to have peace with it. Full stop. If you don't have a narrative of your past that makes sense to you, there is no possible way for you to have peace with it. And that that's true regardless of your spirituality. That's just you in your brain trying to figure out who you are as a person. If you don't understand your past, there's no way to have peace with it. The second, having listened to a lot of really rough stories, the first thing that I've discovered is that from a certain point of view, even the worst of the worst of the worst, all of it makes perfect total sense. That's right. Perfect That's right. total sense. And what this means is if I'm listening to someone's story and it's sounding like, oh my God, how could anyone do that? I don't understand their story yet. There are details that have not yet come to light. There are factors that have not yet come out. I begin to know that I am understanding their story when the following thought occurs in my head. Well, of course. That makes total sense. Mm. Of course. It, it turns out most people in most situations, with almost no exceptions, are making what feels to them like the best choice they could be making in that moment, in that situation. And I need to repeat that because that's a really out there thought that kind of, it feels like it yeah. couldn't possibly be true, but it's super, super is. Whatever the worst, most evil stuff you can think of is, for the vast majority of people in that moment, to them, this is about as good of a choice as they know how to make. This is about the best choice that's before them as far as they can tell. And they don't really feel like they have a better choice than this. So pretty much this is it. I mean, that's really, really out there. What what do we do with that? Well, a few things. The, the first is that doesn't let any of us off the hook. It's not like, well, because I've explained my story really well to myself, it's I didn't do those things anymore. Well, no, you 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 did. I mean, you know, so if you've, you know, for example, physically hurt people, you you still did those things whether we understand the story or not. That that we're not, you know, erasing culpability. That's that's important to know. 
we're not exactly making excuses where, yeah, you did it, but it's okay. It's no problem that you punched this person. You know, it's, it's not, it's not like that either. We're not erasing the consequences of the action. It's, it's not like, you know, you go to the judge, and you say, I'm going to give a really compelling reason on why I murdered this guy. And the just goes, oh, that's okay. There's nobody will let you out of jail then. No problem. The, the consequences are still there. So it's, it's worth asking what changes? Why go through all this ugly, messy work to look at and understand and process through our past? Why would we do all of that? Two reasons. The first is peace waits on the other side of that journey in, yeah. in a way that you can't get any other way. I, I promise you this is true. Peace waits on the other side of that journey. But the second thing, and, and a big part of why peace waits on the other side of that journey is you realize this doesn't say anything about you. This doesn't speak to the kind of person that you are. It doesn't speak to the kind of person that you were then. And it definitely doesn't speak to the kind of person that you can be in the future. It just doesn't actually say anything about you. Here's what it says is you started your life set on a certain trajectory that was almost certainly going to go in a very specific direction. And you did exactly what you were set up to do. You were set up to go in an awful direction, and behold, you did. Here's the thing. Nearly all of us, with almost zero exceptions, do exactly what we were set up to do with no variance until we run into a roadblock. Some of us experience mercy that that roadblock occurs um, with almost no consequences. Maybe we go through, you know, a, a rough breakup, but you know, and that's our moment of, of clarity. Other people face that in solitary confinement in a maximum security prison, but most of us have made almost no decisions about anything in our life, our entire life. We've just done what we were set up to do until we reach a certain moment. And now we actually do have a decision to make about the kind of person that we want to be. We, we reach that, that moment of clarity in our lives. But we have to understand those mistakes don't say anything about you. They say that you did what you were set up to do, which is what everybody does. What you do now says something about you. What you choose to do now that you have a better sense of your life and yourself and your place in your that says something about you. And God wants to join you on that journey and lead you to a place that's amazing and wonderful and fantastic, exactly like Lee is describing. But we've got to have that peace to get to that place where we can receive that. And that peace is on the other end of working through with the Lord, understanding how we got to the place that we're at. That is a very, very important piece of this whole puzzle. And Glenn, I think on a, on a foundational level, there's something going on here that we've been talking about in the previous parts of the show, which is it just seems to resonate right that I did bad things, therefore I should feel bad. Yeah. And that's not, I, th- I think, uh, and a lot of credit goes to our question, Ashley, realizing that's, that doesn't seem right with all the God stuff. I feel like there's still something deep inside us that said the worst thing I, things I did, I should just feel that worse forever. And I got to yeah. dig into the bad to get all the way around. Yeah. What do we do? What do we replace that kind of thinking with? Well, it's, that's a great way to put it, because if you look at what Jed is saying here, he's saying that some sins that we commit, and it's different for different people, but there's some sin that's in your life. You think about that and you remember it and you say, this sin puts me in a different category. Mm-hmm. It has changed my existential nature. I am now in a different place because of that. We tell ourselves that. But uh, as Jed points out, that's not how that works. 
but it's also a bit self-deceptive because we we think of it as a decision that we have made or a realization that we've made that we are in a state of being because of this. Mm-hmm. We are in a different place. But that's not what it is. What it is is we 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 have a new critical inner voice commentary based on this thing. Ah. I did this, therefore it puts me in a different category, is a thought that I have. Yeah. That thought is a critical inner voice that I carry around with me everywhere I go. Every time I think of this, there is a thought. Because of that, you don't deserve to be happy. Because of that, you shouldn't Mm. be in a relationship. You'll never find love. Because of that, you'll everyone, if they knew that about you, they'd hate you. And because they don't, they just love a fake version of you. You're a fraud. You're just a fraud. That is a voice inside you. It's not an awareness of the truth. It's a voice speaking to you, saying those things. That is not the voice of God. <laughs> it's really important for you to know that. That's the voice of God's enemy. Yeah. This is not what God is telling you. All of that is a lie. Sure, there's an element of truth to any lie. That's how it sticks. That's what makes it really hard to get rid of. But the, the, the reality is we're fighting against that voice. We're rejecting that voice. As, as, as Matt was asking, we have to replace that. And if we, we won't be able to do that until we get to acceptance. I did this. Mm. It happened. I can live with it. I can accept it. I don't like it. I don't love it. It's not a good thing. But it's been confessed. It's been forgiven. And I am not that person today. I am a different. I have moved on. Everyone moves on. Everyone changes. Everyone evolves. You may be worse in some ways or something, but you aren't that person anymore. But if you don't accept you, you won't let anyone else accept you. Yeah. And I'm I'm saying that from personal experience. Yep. If you don't accept you, you won't let God accept you. And you can't go around saying, well, I, I'm just going to wait until everyone accepts me, and then I'll accept myself. It does not work that way. You, it, It's actually the reverse order. You accept yourself first, then you can receive that from other people. Uh, final point on this, I do hear this a lot. It, it, what you're describing here is extremely common. It, sin has a way of making us feel, a pain of any kind makes us feel alienated, like I'm the only one. What you're writing mm-hmm. in this question is, I hear this 20 times a day, so you are nowhere near alone. But here's the thing. Uh, this word tainted uh, is very uh, evocative to me. Here's the thing. When you get in the shower and you're going to take a shower, you don't worry that what your sweat will do to the soap. You don't say, I don't want to get this soap all over my body because the sweat will stink up the soap. You follow what I'm saying? Because <laughs> it works in the opposite direction. Uh, the Bible says the light banishes the darkness. It, it doesn't... Darkness doesn't swallow up light and make it go away. Light pushes out the darkness. When you go to God, 
all that falls away. All of that is stripped away. All of that is removed from you. you. It's no longer a barrier anymore. God is more powerful than your sin by a long ways. <laughs> Uh, and in that that power again, it works in the opposite direction of you tainting God. It works in the direction of Him cleansing you, and that power works every single time. It's the most reliable thing mm. in the entire universe. So you can trust in that and and accept that love from Him on that basis. That is all fantastic stuff from these guys. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago.tumblr.com. Uh, Jed made mention when we were talking about the, uh, the very fancy cars about Psalm 21, four with pool house guru made us a delightful little version of that. Or take out that. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. We looked into doing a Finsta version of church. We were told they already have that. It's called church. Ha! Hey! <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and mine right because that stuff is mine so earth is the lord's and everything in it except the stuff that's mine okay well if you say so earth is the lord's and everything in it except the stuff that's mine that stuff is mine there was a rich man and his land produced a hearty crop Himself. What should I do? I don't have any place to store my crops. Hallelujah. Then he said, this is what I'll do. Thank you, Jesus. I will tear down my barns and build bare ones. Earth is the Lord's and all who live in it. Except, of course, for me. Not really me. Earth is the Lord's and all who live in it. Except, of course, for me. of grain stored away for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Have yourself a good old time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That stuff is mine. Earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Except the stuff that's mine. That stuff is mine. Earth is the Lord's and all who live in it. Except, of course, for me. Not really me. Verse 13, you can trust me, what I lied to you, 